Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. God is good. Do we need to release any chillings or youth or something like that? Youth, be blessed. Hallelujah. Thank you guys so very, very much. That's incredibly humbling. I thank you. That's all I know to say. Praise God. Thank you so much. I tell you, we've already had incredible church, haven't we? The testimony is sincerely. Uh, that's what it's all about, is hearing the people share what God's doing through them. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Seriously. And I got to say, David, wherever you are, pal, somewhere, if you already hit it up. No, but you know, this morning, I think we had a perfect, first time I've ever said that, a perfect worship service. I mean, it was just such a beautiful flow from beginning to end. And, and just thank you guys so much. Incredible, just grace, great of grace. And uh, I'm curious, uh, that song about my lines have fallen in pleasant places, is that one that uh, Deborah, is that one of Deborah's? Deborah wrote that, huh? That's another one of hers. God bless you, little girl, wherever you went. Hallelujah, we got some great people in this fellowship, I tell you. God is good. Well, I don't know where to go now. God is good. No, I do know where to go. Praise God. Good morning. I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled in my spirit for all of you. I really am. God is just so good. And I, I love this family, to say the least. I truly love this family. And you are a family to Julie and I, to say the least. You truly are. You don't know until you get into one of these positions. You know, you start out in ministry. You're young. You don't even know what anything's about. And, uh, but along the way, again, you, you do, if you wake up, which I pray you wake up, what you wake up to the most is the fact that everything is about love. Everything is about God's love for us. And again, God's love in us, God's love to us, but above all, God's love through us. And really, that's the only thing that makes any difference. Do people feel accepted in your presence? Do you know what I mean? Do people feel a warmth or a grace? Because wherever Jesus went, I mean, no matter how vile the sinner may have been, they never, they never ever sensed rejection from Jesus Christ. The only ones that fought against him so hard were, of course, religious spirits, religious people. But as far as just the, the family, the group, the people, no one ever experienced rejection when they came close to Jesus Christ of Nazareth because he, to say the least, is the love of God personified. Jesus said, remember, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So as you walk and live in the life of Jesus, live in the Gospels for quite a long time, you just begin to see this is, this is how God thinks. All he wants to do is heal and bless, bring freedom, bring deliverance. That's the only job description he has. So it is an incredible thing when you begin to see him do that, not only for yourself, but then you finally graduate from, as it were, selfishness, which you didn't even recognize when it happened, and you realize that my whole life is about giving. His whole life is about giving. And you really 
change direction. And that's when maturity begins to show up. And that's when real fruit begins to develop. When you finally quit focusing on you and you focus on Christ and you focus on what I can do because every single one of us are ordained by God. If we be born again, we're ordained by God to reflect him, to truly show forth his kindness, his goodness, and his grace. Karen sharing that story about the homeless woman, you know, that's, if you remember some of my testimony when I did, uh, when I was at Teen Challenge in San Francisco, that was something I dealt with every single day for 14 days. I mean, 16 hours a day because of what they had me doing. Homeless person after homeless person, the most foul-smelling situations you can imagine, but just knowing that upon every one of them that the imprint of the sovereign was still there. You know the old illustration, if you lose a coin, that coin can be lost for 75 years. But if you find that coin, if it still has the imprint of the sovereign on the coin, it has retained its value no matter how long it was lost. And see, in humanity, human beings, every single human being carries the imprint of the sovereign who made them. Therefore, their value is so far beyond what we could ever, we, I'm telling you, we really don't know how valuable you and I are to him. We are his prized possession. We literally are the pupil of his eye, scripture says. So it's one of the most humbling things that ever happens to you is when you realized, and again, it's so easy to say this phrase, when you actually grasp that I'm loved by God. I am overwhelmingly loved and adored by the creator of all of the planets and the universes and everything that there is. He loves me. He chose me, me. He could have done it, but he chose, picked out me for himself, which again, scripture says, he had done that for every single one of you. He's picked you out special for himself. Now that's, just, see, we have to get, you have to stay in church until you get past the doctrinal aspect of what you hear to the manifestation of the truth that's coming at you by God's grace. Did you hear what I just said? It's one thing to know scripture. It's a whole other thing to know God. That's the thing all of us in ministry wake up to. And youth, I've seen so many young ministers that I deal with, they're, they can just rattle, rattle off scripture left and right. And for a season, they think that's what qualifies them. They have a knowledge. They have an intellectual grasp of much scripture and even much teaching. But again, all of that is intended to get us to the person, isn't it? The person of Jesus. He wants us to get way beyond doctrine. He wants us to get to him. That's what Jesus said. So that's what church is all about. So anyhow, I really appreciate those of you who have made the decision. Welcome the newcomers too. Thank you so much for coming. And like Julie mentioned, we are indeed a family. And we are going from strength to strength. Let me remind you of something. The devil is a liar. He really is a liar. His job is to indict, accuse, intimidate, do all that crud. But when you know the truth, you simply don't listen to lies anymore. 
And thank God for what David shared about the worship and the power that's in worship because, you know, I, we, this is why this is part of so strong and greatly a part of Julie's and my call, our life, and the, uh, the fingerprint, the, the thumbprint of God that's upon us about the music and worship because we've witnessed for ourselves. We've seen these kind of things. We've seen what it does time and time again over our last 35 years of walking with Christ. And again, this is why it says it's for what it's worth, it's a unique assignment to us in this church for this to manifest. And it's one of my, every single day, I give you my word, every single morning I'm at prayer about this very issue and this very fact. And the more of us that join and get an agreement with this, the more we're simply going to see. But what thrills me is when I see you guys doing it. Amen. That's the whole thing. That's our great reward is when we see you doing it. Like Karen, again, of course, we know the scripture is so classic in Matthew. As, as If you've done this to the least of one of these, you've done it unto me. So she got to be Jesus. Isn't that great? Every one of you get to be Jesus. To whoever you meet, even the rest of today. And you need to learn how to let other people be Jesus to you. That's where the real humility comes in. Anyhow, good morning. That's my introduction. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with what I'm going to speak. But I want to just uh, turn to Matthew 24 real quick. Let me just get after it because we had a, we've spent a lot of time already. And this after service today, um, Bobby is with the youth, but Deji, Tina, Abby, Julie, and I, we really want to start giving far more time to praying. So I'm going to really honestly God do my best to be short because I want us to, I want, we want to pray for you. So I don't care what your need, I don't care what the need is. If you'll be bold enough to come forward, we're going to pray for you. Uh, as individually, we'll pray for you. And I'm just saying, uh, just like we heard, our God answers prayer. You know, you cannot pray from your heart in the name of Jesus without something shifting. That's something that has to be so concrete in your understanding. God is too much of a God of love. He, something shifts. It may not be exactly what you think, but I'm telling you, prayer changes stuff. And especially when it comes from love. Anyhow, so we love you. Father, I give you thanks for this information today that you put on me to share afresh. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I welcome you, Holy Spirit, because again, I acknowledge, I know that I know that I know that you're the only true teacher of the church. So I give you praise. In the name of Jesus, I give you praise. Amen, amen, amen. Okay? Now, Matthew, it's really sounds funny. I really, last time I spoke, remember, I said the Lord's really had me going over and over again, John 14, John 15, and John 16 in the Amplified Bible. And I want to continue that. But when I was praying yesterday, I just, just came up in me about Matthew 24 to remind us <clears throat> that, listen, this sounds so corny. It's not corny, it's true. To remind you and I, Jesus is coming back soon. I said, Jesus Christ is coming back. You know, I think Bobby said something about the revival will be here. I forget what she said. But let me tell you something. When you read all the majors that are going on in the world, you got a revival is already happening. We are on the fringes of the greatest move of God that's ever been on planet Earth <clears throat> because it's the last move. Because, again, we've come 6,000 years, and there's only 7,000 years that the Bible teaches. The last thousand, as I've told you many times, is the millennial reign of Christ. We, no matter how you count it, when you look at timelines and stuff, we are at the end of 6,000 years, so something cosmic. 
I'm not, you know, theatrical, but there's something cosmic in proportion that's right in front of us. There's never been a greater time to be faithful to God, never been a more important time to understand what it means to be in the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, please do yourself a favor. Don't faint now. Kind of like what Bobby said about November or something like that, and what Julius mentioned, don't quit now. We are so close. There's no prophetic voice in the world right now that isn't saying the same thing. We are so close to something. And see, you need to be comfortable with hearing the word something. Nobody fully knows what God's about to do. But if it's God, it's good. Hallelujah. You just keep be simple like a child. Matthew 24, 24. I'm going to read these quickly because I just want to remind us of this. And he's talking about here, he's talking about the end time again. His apostles have been asking him questions and so on. And then he, they're asking, what's the sign of the times and blah, blah, blah. And he tells them about the abomination that's going to be in the temple, you know, Daniel 7, Daniel, out from the book of Daniel, what's prophesied there. But anyhow, verse 24, Matthew 24, 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise. And they will show great signs and wonders so as to deceive and lead astray, if possible, even the elect, God's chosen ones. You do need to recognize that. Just because there's signs and wonders doesn't always mean it's God. And that's very difficult for some people to translate, figure out, interpret, whatever you want to do. In other words, that's not the greatest supernatural sign in the world, healing, as much as we honor God for healing. Let me tell you something. The most supernatural manifestation of God is love. That's God himself manifested. But see, our minds have been programmed to look for the spectacular. And by always looking for the spectacular, we often miss the truly supernatural. Ah, verse 25, see, I have warned you beforehand. So if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness desert, do not go out there. If they tell you, behold, he's in the secret places or inner rooms, do not believe it. For just as the lightning flashes from the east and shines and is seen as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, boop, like that, that fast, that quick, that unexpected. Verse 28, wherever there's a fallen body, a corpse, there the vultures or eagles will flock together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will shed its light, will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky. I've, I've had to sit and think about that a bit. Stars are going to fall. That's going to be quite a moment. Stars are going to fall from the sky, and the very powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and you know what's going to happen then? All the tribes of the earth are going to mourn and beat their breast and lament in anguish as they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and brilliancy and splendor. Hallelujah. Now we, by that moment, have been raised with him. Verse 31, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect, his chosen ones, from the four winds, even from one end of the universe to the other. 
From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its young shoots become soft and tender and puts out its leaves, you know of a surety that summer's near. So also, when you see these signs all taken together coming to pass, you may know of a surety that he is near at the very doors. Truly, I tell you, this generation, the whole multitude of people living at the same time in a definite given period will not pass away till all these things taken together take place. Sky and earth will pass away. Did you hear that? Blue sky outside this morning, this earth. The word God says will be consumed with fire and from heaven will come the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. Sky and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that exact day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. But as it were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For just as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, men married, women being given in marriage, until the very day when Noah went into the ark. And they did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, everything's going to look perfectly normal. Nothing is going to seem unusual. You're going about our daily business and boom. In the twinkling of an eye, everything will change. And you will really know why it's so important that your spirit has been born from above. Because he says at that time, verse 40, at that time two men, he gives these examples, at that time two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the handmill, making bread, one will be taken, one will be left. Watch therefore. Everybody say watch. You know what the word watch means? Greek word means to chase sleep. It's agripaneo. Chase sleep. Watch therefore and give strict attention. Be cautious and active for you do not know in what kind of a day, whether near or remote, when your Lord is coming. But understand this. Had the householder known in what part of the night, whether in a night or a morning, watch the thief was coming, he would have watched and he would not have allowed his house to be undermined or broken into. You also must be ready, therefore, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. Hallelujah. Now again, this is not meant to freak people out, scare them, but it's, it's, we just need, we have to continue to communicate this because it's true. He could come in the middle of the service. He could. Because, again, there's too much to go into, but, you know, yes, this gospel has to be preached in all the nations, but the truth of the matter is this gospel is being preached in all the nations. And all the major prophetic voices will tell you there's no prophecy that's unfulfilled already except the last one, which is the great shout and the great trumpet blast. We are so close, we are so much more near to the culmination of all things than 
90% of the people realize. And we're not to live delicately because of that, but we're to live watchfully and understand. Let's take advantage, let's redeem the time, let's understand we really are called to keep our minds and our affections set on things above. There's billions of distractions. We all know the scriptures in Mark 4, the distractions of this age, the cares of this world, the false clamor of riches, the deceitfulness, of all these things that says creep in and choke God's truth, choke God's word, and we don't get to bear fruit. But I just, I really, I just, I'm just trying to obey what he said to me yesterday. He said, tell him again. He said, tell him I'm coming. This is why there's so much angelic. People are always talking about the incredible angelic activity. I'm reading a new book right now called The Agenda of Angels. It's just incredible. This guy's probably had more encounters with angels than anybody I've ever heard. But he speaks with such simplicity and an authenticity. I know this, this is for real, what I'm reading. He was on Sid Roth. He's been on a couple of things. But anyhow, um, these angels, they're just coming out of the woodwork right now. They're everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. You know, like I said, there's tons of them in our room right here, right now. Praise God. And we are becoming far and far more cognizant of it. But one of the reasons that there's so many more angelic appearances right now and angelic visitations is because God's word says that at the end of the age, he's going to release these legions of angels to draw people from all around the earth for that last moment. Angels are gathering people right now. You know what? I'm just trying to say I'm glad I've made my choice. I'm glad I'm on the right side of heaven. Anybody here glad besides me? Hallelujah. All right. I just wanted to be quick on that. Turn to John 15. Like I said, we've been studying. Uh, God's had me say let's really give ourselves to John 14, 15, and 16. And this is an incredibly um, familiar passage. So I'm not going to give tons of teaching on it, comments. Just looking at my watch here because like I said, I want to make sure we leave time to, to minister to people. Jesus said, now he just, remember this is the John 14, 15, and 16. John 14 in particular, that's, this is the three, this is the, the conversation that the Apostle John captured at the Last Supper. John 14, and then at the end of John 14, it says, okay, rise, let us go away. And now they're walking, and they're going towards Jerusalem. And this is the words of the Lord. He's sharing with the 12, the ones that are closest to him. In other words, think about the, how profound that is. This is, John's the one that records this actual conversation that took place at the Last Supper and on this last journey together. John 15, 1, Jesus, you know, so they're walking and they walk, right? And of course, there's a vineyard here. And so as he did with the fig tree and other things, he points out what's right there in parables. He said, guys, like he's, they're all looking at this. I'm, I am the true vine. And my father's the vine dresser. He's the owner of the vineyard. He's done this. Any branch in me, in me, that means me. That doesn't mean sinners. That means those of us that are in the kingdom. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away. He trims off and takes away. And he cleanses, though, and he repeatedly prunes every branch 
that continues to bear fruit. Why? To make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. That's the basics of, of agronomy, of working with cell lines. You've heard me share about my father, how my father had a green thumb. He could grow anything and he would, you know, told you he grafted peach trees and apricot trees and called them peach cots, you know. <laughs> and all, we had tons of blackberries and we had six acres, eight acres of strawberries and I grew up all my life watching my father work this stuff and I watching him graft things together and this incredible stuff that came forth. He just had a gift in that area. And so when I read this, I can't help but I go back and think about this. So Jesus said, you know, he wants, Jesus loves us so much, the Father prunes us because he wants us to bear sweeter fruit. That's all. So you don't say no to the pruner. But how are we pruned? Now, he, people get freaked out when they read this thing about he breaks off, he trims them off. But then what Jesus said in verse 3 is incredibly crucial. He said, but you, my, these 12, he said, you're cleansed. You've already been pruned. You were cleansed and pruned already because of the word, my teachings. See, in the Old Testament, trial and all kinds of tribulation would happen, and it would be the cause of stopping stuff, starting stuff, finishing, whatever. But it's so, this is again why it's so, un, it's so incredibly important that you stay in the book, because he said today it's the word that prunes us. It's God's message coming to us that keeps us clean. Hopefully, most of you in here brush your teeth every day. Maybe I should show up a show of hands with those who never brush their teeth or only brush their teeth once a week or something. But you don't even think twice about that. How much more vital is it to take a word bath? I, I do enjoy being clean. I don't know if it's just because I'm an American. I remember when I first came to this nation 37 years ago, I remember hearing, of course, in the way back when, how... I don't know, maybe it's been in many countries, but you know the way it was. But in England, I remember reading categorically in the history books about they took one bath a year, you know, because of the cold, no heat, what have you. But the norm was to take one bath a year. Can you imagine that? That's why, again, even in the royal courts, remember, if you've ever watched those documentaries, they had tons of perfumes and talcs and stuff all over them. And it literally, when you read the books, it says to quench the stench. The, our, the royal family stunk because that's the way it was. So they covered themselves and covered themselves with tons of perfume, tons of stuff, and they simply became acclimated to the stench. Well, I like to, I, I'm just one of these guys, I got to be clean. Hallelujah. So David, would you take more showers? Denise has been sending prayer requests, you know, just, oh my God, I'll pray for you, Denise. But he said, we're cleansed. And we're pruned by the word. You've got to stay in the word because that's what keeps you tender. That's what keeps you cleansed. That's what keeps you aware. You, you know, like, you know, when you first, I always use this illustration, when you first hear a strong message about the words of your mouth, death and life are in the power of the tongue. A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequence of his words, he must be satisfied whether for death or life, Proverbs 18. When you first hear that, remember how you walk out of the church and you're going, <laughs> you're very aware. But one day goes by, the next day you're right back being a bucket mouth again. You know what I mean? But this is why, again, you have to not visit. You need to abide. He said, if you abide in me, if you, if you learn that this is my, 
You know, like when we taught on again, remember, God cannot be second. That's such a profound truth. God cannot be second. He needs to be, he must be first for you to expect what he said he wants to do. This is why even coming to church is still, after all these years, it amazes me that ever so subtly, people again begin to think, I come to church to see what it will do for me. That's oh so wrong. We come, we're supposed to come here because of him. Because we come together to say, thank you, Jesus. And we worship you, God. We're so grateful. I'm grateful. I'm not coming to church because of what you're going to do for me. I want to come to church to say thank you for what you've already done. For you've granted, I have eternal life now. I'm going to live throughout all the eternities in the ecstasy of heaven. But every once in a while, people just kind of think, well, it's, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm not getting anything. It's because you're coming looking to get instead of looking to give. Did you hear me? That attitude will really harm you. It'll harm you for the entire future. Knowing God makes you the most grateful person on the planet Earth. In America, you know, we're about a week or two away from Thanksgiving. And like all the major messages right now on gratitude, I just noticed that Bethel, you know, they're doing this whole thing about just the power that's in gratitude, being grateful. Being grateful. Being grateful, thankful. Not always being critical. Always looking for something that's not going right. Why do people live from that perspective is beyond my comprehension. What a miserable life people have that are always going from one place to another or whatever, criticizing, criticizing, critiquing, all in the name of them being, sometimes then they do it in the name of being spiritual and being discerning. I'm so discerning. I visited this church and they're rubbish here, they're rubbish there, and they're rubbish there. All I can tell those people is, God bless you. There's the door. Don't let the doorknob hit you or the dog should have bit you. Amen? That's my doctrine. <laughs> you are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I've given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Dwell in me. That means live. If you dwell in me, I'm going to dwell in you. Live in me and I'll live in you. Just as no branch... I mean, this is so obvious, but think about why Jesus had to say it. I mean, it's funny that he even had to. Why are we that dull of hearing? He said, just as no branch can bear fruit of itself. No branch can bear fruit of itself, not heaven's fruit, without abiding in being vitally united to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. If you're not bearing much fruit, my question has to be to people like counsel, how much time are you spending with God? Now that's not mean. It's just, I have, it's like a doctor. Where does it hurt? Well, have you been taking your medicine? No. I've given you the medicine. I know. Why aren't you taking it? Well, I didn't want to. I had other things to do. Well, then, and yet you're upset because you still have problems? Well, of course I'm upset. I still have problems. But I gave you the medicine. Well, I didn't have time to take it. And so then they get angry at you. That makes no sense. So he said right here, it's the word that prunes, cleanses, keeps you, blesses you, delivers you, heals, 
anything and everything that we need. And he's told us, and he will not, this is why I always say to a degree, some people disagree with this statement, but I still say it, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. He invites you. You have to accept the invitation. Anyhow, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vines. And he keeps repeating himself again like, you know, he, he's looking at the 12 disciples, 11 Gonna, you know, one's going to betray him, but the 12 are still here, and he's looking at him, and he's going, dudes, you know, it's like, why does he have to repeat himself 14 times? Because evidently we're thick-headed, even those 11 were, you know, guys, were, they were thick in some areas. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Amen. Now, I brought this incredibly sophisticated illustration. Isn't that heavy? Isn't that beautiful? Now, I'm going to, I got to kind of say, well, I won't have to set it down. I'll just do this. Now, here, pretend the vine, Jesus Christ. You know what I'm going to do already, but just think about it. Bear fruit. Uh, you ain't going to burn much fruit. I mean, how simple can it be? Abide in me, you know, stay attached to the branch, but stop going to church, start flitting around from place to place, just distance yourself from God's truth, distance yourself from the family of God, distance yourself from the Bible. And you get out here and you think you're enjoying yourself and you may enjoy yourself for a few moments, but as far as bearing any actual fruit, it's impossible because you're not connected. You hear me? If a person does not dwell in me, he's thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. such branches are gathered up, they're thrown into the fire and they're burned. But if you will live in me, if you'll abide vitally united to me, and if my words will remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, guys, ask stuff, whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Because why? Because when you bear and produce much fruit, my Father is glorified. So you've got to really catch this and accept this. God is glorified when you bear much fruit. God wants each and every one of you to be incredibly blessed. It's in your spirit, peace of mind, your body whole and free from sickness and disease, no poverty, no lack because you've been redeemed from it in Jesus' name. All of those things, he, that's how he's glorified when you bear much fruit. Hallelujah. And the way your fruit, the way you get more and more and more increase is you allow yourself to be pruned when necessary. You let that word wash you. When you bear and produce much fruit, my Father's honored and glorified, and you know and you will show and you prove yourself to be a true follower of mine. People see, will see it. I have loved you. Just as the Father has loved me, so abide in my love. Continue in his love with me. Because if you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instruction, you will live and abide in my love and live on in it. Just as I've obeyed the Father's commands, I live on in his love. Now, verse 11, he says, guys, 
I've told you these things for a reason. And this is something, like I said, of late that's really been speaking to me. He said, I'm telling you all this stuff for a reason. I'm not trying to give you a job that makes you feel, oh my God, I, gotta be re- I have to read the Bible today. He's trying to give you the key to life. In Malachi 1, I read it again this morning. It just came up in my spirit, so it had to be the Holy Spirit. And it reminded me about Malachi 1 where the prophet speaks about how people begin to go, water, and the, the literal word that says there's water, oh, people started going to church and they say, oh, I'm going to go to church because I have to, but the word it says on the Amplified, it says water, you said in your heart, what a weariness this is, what a drudgery, then I have to go to the house of the Lord. And it goes on, the next verse says, for that reason, he said, I will curse your blessings. <laughs> says your blessings are cursed because that attitude gets on people. Eh, I got to go to church. You know what? You don't have to do anything. But again, when you wake up to the goodness of God, any opportunity to praise him and worship him should be at the forefront of your comprehensions. We're dealing with life and death here. Yes, I know this church, I said it overnight, doesn't have all the bells and whistles of the big boys, you know, the big church and what have you like that. But we do have God's word. I said we do have God's word. We've got incredible worship. We've got people, that's why I do love David and the guys, I mean, who actually do pray and they actually do want to worship God themselves, not entertain. And that's rare. And we are doing our best to father them and mother them and what have you. And like I said, when I hear again, like Dave's testimony, Karen's and others, you know, that thrills me so much because I know that the word is working, the seed is growing, this stuff is being understood, and they are doing it themselves because remember the whole issue of churches? It's not about the guy that sits in the front. Remember, we're the people that are supposed to build you up for the work of the ministry. Remember, Ephesians? We're supposed to instruct and build you up for the work. You guys get to do the work. I'm a trainer, I'm a teacher. You're the worker. So when you do that, but Dave's just sensitive enough to say, well, you know what, I'm going to tape this thing and I'm going to show it to him. See, that's God manifesting. Karen stopping being moved through her heart from a homeless person. That's God manifesting. You saying hello, you looking at somebody on the tube, you know, and just there's something, I don't know why I keep being drawn to this person. Yeah, I, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. There's no prayer that comes from the heart of a person's spirit in the name of Jesus that doesn't cause things to shift. You can change your life on the tube without ever talking to somebody just by praying for them. So you, if you don't have that attitude, if you don't have that comprehension, you, you're missing so much of blessings in this life. You don't have to be the world's greatest evangelist. You have to be, all you need to be is sensitive. Why does God keep bringing me here? Why does God keep bringing this, this name to my mind? You know, the last four days, an old friend of mine, John Baster, who lives in Maine, that was Teen Challenge. He was my first kind of like a, he was the assistant chaplain at Teen Challenge, one of the first guys I came under. You know, I hadn't seen him in 25 years, and then all of a sudden, about five years ago, I forget, something like that, he and his wife came to London, and we got to meet after all these years, came to the service and everything. And I still haven't, so that was five years. I haven't seen him in five years, heard from him, but just like three or four days ago, this man, he's, this name just kept coming, his name, John Baster, John, John, John. And so I just, after all these years, I kind of recognized, I think maybe I should pray for him. 
I don't have to know what the situation is. I don't have to bleed him for information. I just have to, let's follow, follow your spirit. But see, that's so simple, but that's the simplicity of Christianity. That's what God wants for every single one of you. When it comes up in your mind, be aware that there just might be Holy Ghost, say the least, saying pray for this person. And it doesn't mean you have to take a 13-hour intercessory journey. Not unless God calls you to it. I, years ago, they used to have a term called arrow prayers, and I thought it was corny and funny then. But I feel quite differently in, the, in uh, these last two decades of my life. I believe every single time when I'm driving down the street, I see people all the time, especially I have to, I, with children, I just do it almost. Every time I see a child or a situation, I just say a short prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless that mother and father. Bless that child. May that child grow up and know quickly the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those prayers produce. I said those prayers produce. Don't ever think they don't. That's what it means when Paul said to be ever in the practice of prayer. Always praying. Praying always with all manner of prayer. You begin to live a life that's just full of prayer. You're always conscious of bringing the name to somebody. Whether you ever see them, touch them, speak to them is not the issue. You can change a life from 50 miles. You can change a life from 10,000 miles away. I've watched it happen through intercession in my early days, to say the least. You hear me? Just So be sensitive to that. Anyhow, let me. But in verse 11, he said, I have told you these things, guys, for a reason, that my joy and delight may be in you, that your joy, that your joy and your gladness may be a full measure, complete and overflowing. Now, can you believe that's God's will for each of us? Well, what, okay, what is his will? What's the, what, that, if this is one of the areas we can see his will. What's his will? His will is that our joy and gladness may be a full measure, complete and overflowing. And so I, I look at people all the time and I, you know, it's one of those things, how much joy do I see in this mug? <laughs> how much gladness? See, because you realize people, if you, God, it's not that difficult. If you spend time with God, you wind up smiling a lot. I'm sorry, it's that simple. Well, I have a burden from the Lord. You need to read the Bible. The Bible says in this dispensation, you shall no longer say the burden of the Lord. There's no burden. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We learn of him and we stop all that stuff. People are attracted to joy. I said people are attracted to joy. People are, are attracted to people who have gladness. We all know Mr. and Mrs. Sourpuss. Have you ever known somebody in the moment you hear they're going to come over you, you kind of go, oh, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love them, but I think, I'm, you know, you see them walking down the street, and you ever so subtly try to cross the street and get to the other side of the street because, you know, here comes old bad news the moment they open their mouth, you know. <laughs> Woe is me, the dog died, my cat spit up, my kid kicked me, my car broke, my washing machine's dead, my wife slapped me. <laughs> you know, it'd be all right if that happened like once every six months, sir, but not, you know, not every day. And bless their darling hearts, I've met people, I mean, the moment they come, and here comes old bad news. And I got to just prepare my spirit, I got to gear up. Okay, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to got. You know, I'm a, I'm a preacher, I'm the minister, I'm the pastor, so I get to sit there for 45 minutes. 
and, you know, and they don't want counsel. They actually don't want to be delivered from it because they're enjoying their misery. Honestly, when you've been in ministry long enough, you find out that's the truth. They simply enjoy misery. And so you said they go, hmm, hmm, the Lord bless you. Hmm, bless your darling heart. Praise God. Let me pray for you. And they go, you know, and they just put a little salve on them. And they go away until they get in the car. And then they call another friend and say, my life is so screwed up. I know you love me for saying that, but it's the way it is. All right, listen, it's my birthday week. You just prayed, you just said thank you. Everybody smile and say, I love the guy. He's such a great guy. He's, well, never mind. But think about the fact that he said, I want your life to be full of the joy I have and the gladness I have. See, because he, he, this is God. This is God in the flesh. This is God saying, I want you to have the joy I have now. Here. Even Kevin could have that, right, Kev? Even out in beautiful downtown Lane End, because I used to live there where they live. No, but it's, it's, I know I make the joke, but see, this is why when you learn these truths, you learn, listen to me, all of this connects to being led by the Spirit of God. It's one of the number one questions people always ask, like when I was principal in the Bible school, like I said, all students, so how can I actually know the voice of God is like the number one question. Well, that comes down to knowing the character of God, to, know, to believing in the integrity of his word and so much simple things like that. But again, when you see this, when you understand things like this, like I'm, I'm, I'm to be filled with the joy and the gladness that God has. Let me, I don't know if you know this. Can I give you a real deep prophetic revelation? God's never been depressed. I said God's not depressed. He's not oppressed, repressed, suppressed, any kind of pressed. <laughs> we all know the verse. At his right hand, there's, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence. I mean, heaven's not a dour, dim place. In his presence, there's fullness, a superabundance of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. See, so God's not against pleasure. But the point is, this is how you learn to be led by the Spirit. You know, but you recognize, see, if you know what joy is, you know what joy isn't. Like I've always said, if you know, you know, many, all the paths of the Lord are peace, the scripture says. So if you know, you have to pay a price to find out what peace is. But once you really discover what God's peace is, not the world's peace, but once you really discover what the world, God's peace is, you'll recognize what peace isn't. And again, if all his paths are peace, well, if this does not have the peace of God and my spirit on it, that's not a path for me. So you learn to back up. That's how you learn to be led by God's spirit. And one of the others said this joy, gladness. Turn to your neighbor and look at and see how much joy you can see in their face. Look at your neighbor right now. Look at that incredible, overwhelming joy in that person's face. My God, look at the happiness. Look at the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Even South Africans like John. Amen, John. Let me see your joy-filled face, John. Oh, God. Father, take that image away from me. This is my commandment, verse 12. 
you know, I really do probably need to teach the whole love walk again. Somebody very kindly brought up a little note, said, again, it's the basis of all our foundation of faith, the love of God. This is my commandment. And again, remember I taught you all those years ago, the definition of the word commandment is literally, quote, a decree or a declaration from which there is no retreat. A commandment is not a suggestion. God himself has commanded us to love one another. Jesus esteemed, Jesus esteemed others more than himself. Jesus, it says, gave no thought, gave no, gave no thought to his own interest, but only to the interest of others. Can you come? There's none of us that live like that. And I'm not saying it to condemn us. I'm just saying, think about the, what, he, what he says produces joy and blessing and abundance. It's when you get your eyes off of you or your eyes are at least start with understanding your eyes need to be less on you and more on him. That's all. That's where you start. Do you hear me? He said, Jesus said, I'm telling you this stuff not to bambast you. I'm telling you this stuff because I want you to have the joy that I have. He's not trying to hurt you. He's giving you the keys to life. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. And he goes on to say, I'll review it. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love. No one has shown stronger affection than lay down and give up his own life for his friends. And you are my friend. Big difference between slave and friend. Remember like this song. You are my friend if you keep on doing the things which I command you to do. I don't call you servants and slaves any longer for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Now this is incredible. He said... Servant doesn't know what his master is doing or working on. But I have called you my friends because I have made known to you. I don't know if Jesus was lying or not. You think Jesus was lying? I call you my friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. Wow. I have revealed to you everything I've learned from him. <laughs> if you only knew what's inside of you, who's inside of you? The Holy Spirit who knows all things. I know I say this often, but it's still one of the, speaks to me louder than anything. Genesis 1, verse 1, verse 2. The Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, moving over the face of the deep. But there was no creation yet, but the Holy Spirit was moving. And then God speaks. And of course, then the moving has something to work with. The Holy Spirit's moving in here right now. But it's only as God's word goes forth, the Holy Spirit then takes that word and uses it as the fuel to bring the creation to pass. God, that's so profound in every one of our individual lives. What words are you proclaiming? What fuel are you giving the Holy Ghost to work with? But the point is, the Holy Ghost in you right now, the Spirit of God that's in you, right? please actually somehow open your ears. The, the same Spirit of God that was in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, that Holy him is in you now. He's 
Do you hear me? Think about it. He's been around from the beginning. He knows all. All. The one on the inside of you has every answer. Every answer. Every answer. But will we get into alignment with God's way so that we might get the solutions that are right inside of you right now. I'm telling you, the answer's in me now. The answer's in you now. But will you give yourself to him who has the answer? See, it's your choice. As Doc Cole used to tell us all those years ago, he said a lot of people suffer from magical thinking. He called it magical thinking. So they come to church and they expect the minister to wave as it were, he said, like a magic wand over them and go, bing, all your problems are over. You're going to have joy all your life now that I've waved this wand over you. People still, you, this is again, there's all these levels, infancy, you know, like a baby's brand new, infancy, toddler, child, adolescent, teenager, young adult. Well, there's all these stages of growth, and there are characteristics that are particular to every single area. And this is how you recognize where people are and their spiritual growth. Because there's some people that just spit up on themselves all the time, and you know, oh, that's a, it's a baby. So I don't freak out. I don't get angry at them. I just recognize that's a baby. They spit up. I've been spit up on so many times. But you can't get angry at them. It's just like you don't, you, you know, a two-year-old, you can't scream at a two-year-old and say, act your age. Because he is acting his age. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a two-year-old. Well, that's the same thing in ministry in the body of Christ. You, you learn to recognize everybody's in your shirts. One, five years old, maybe 10, 15. This is an adolescent. That's dangerous. Now, this one's actually a pretty mature adult. But this one is just a flat-out infant. He needs to be spoon-fed, and he needs a lot of cuddles, and he poops his drawers a lot. And we got to clean them up. We don't throw them away because they poop their drawers. They're still our wonderful children. We just got to clean them up. In case you smell anything, just look who you're sitting there. Maybe you can... Oh, come on. Give me a break, man. That's funny. But he says all this stuff. He says, I have made known to you, I have revealed to you everything that I have learned from him. You have not chosen me, guys, he said, but I have chosen you. I've appointed you, and he's going to repeat himself, I've planted you that you might go bear fruit, keep on bearing, and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain and, remain and abide. So that, again, why? He's, it, this thing about prayer he said, if you do this, he said, please, it's going to be my good pleasure so that whatever you ask, whatever, it's a big word, whatever you ask the Father in my name as presenting all that I am, he may give it to you. This is what I command you. Love one another. See, when you begin to really study a passage and you try to set yourself, or in this case, he's walking with the disciples, like I said, past the vineyard. This is why I say you've got to 
You've got to put yourself in the verses and walk in the scripture. Smell the earth, smell these vines, smell the aroma that's coming off the grass. And you learn to do that as you spend time with him because that's what he wants you to do. He wants you with him. And you begin to see how all this it fits together. Why, why does he keep saying here like again, well, twice here in this one, and he says in John 16, John 17, this is what I'm commanding you guys, love one another. Love one another. This is the key. Stay with me. Stick in the word. And let's love one another. Let's love one another. So recognize anything that's not of love is not of God because God is love. Did you hear what I just said? Anything that's not of love is not of God because God is love. So we look for the peace. We look for the grace. We look for the mercy. Again, when you see people that are always critiquing always disappointed with this, always, you know, they're always looking for a negative. You realize they're, you got to, you just love them, but you realize they're not very near Christ. And again, that's not condemning them. It's just, uh, number one, you need to recognize that in yourself. I've always loved that, you know, the classic teaching about take the beam out of your own eye. Remember what, what he really said there? He said, guys, he said, if you will take the beam out of your own eye, you will be able to see clearly to take a splinter out of somebody else's eye. So he wants us to help people, but he's all, but as everything, it starts with me first. Father, help me. Help me be honest about me. Amen? If I can be honest about me, then I may become helpful one day. Hallelujah. Let me, and this is why you and I have to make the declaration, I will be teachable. Let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of folk that know a whole lot more than Rod Anderson does. That's a joke. Are you kidding me? But I'm saying you have to understand in the word, God says, you know, we can learn from babes and sucklings, little kids. Always be open to being teachable. I think, I don't mean to draw attention today, but I mean being like the head of a school in school and being a teacher myself, like I said, as far as in Bible schools, there are some people that just, they're just flat easy to teach because they've learned how to listen and they actually incline their ear. They're actually interested to learn. And there are other people that their whole attitude says, I'm just here to take up space. And that's how it is sometimes in church. People come in with this kind of an attitude. Well, you should just bless God, be grateful I'm sitting in here right now. You know, hallelujah. Well, God bless you and your cotton socks is all I can say. Hallelujah. But you're not going to get much from heaven from that. So, God, I'm going to stop here because, like I said, I want to give time to pray for people. Um, I'm not finishing the chapter at all. But anyhow... So what, what, what have I said? Those of you who are awake, anybody awake still? That was good, Denise. Do that little hand movement again. I don't know what that means. What's that mean? You're here? David, slap your wife. <laughs> Jesus said, again, as corny as this thing is, I am the vine. Except you abide in me, you cannot bear fruit. It says, apart from me, you can really do nothing. 
I, you know, I don't know how any of us can make that any clearer or any simpler. And so I guess all I'm trying to do is challenge you through these, te- through this, this, these chapters here to just understand that so often we are our own worst enemy. And that whether you like it or not, we do have to understand, we do have to grasp the truth about, now this is a horrible word, it's a swear word, I should not use it in church, I know, but the word is discipline. I know, it's a horrible word to put into a church setting. But you need to get into this stuff that cleanses you. There's no shortcut. And I got to tell you something. I love my, I am Juliana. We get fed a lot through watching some really good ministers on, on YouTube and stuff and people that are old friends of mine and others. Because, of course, you know, I need to be fed. But let me tell you something. Nothing but nothing takes the place of this book. This book is anointed every time. I listen to some friends of mine that I love. Sometimes they're just not that anointed. Just like me, we all, when you talk together as ministers, we have this kind of saying, he said, have you ever gotten the pulpit and you know that you're there, but God's somewhere in the Bahamas? <laughs> in other words, it's like, man, no matter how much I've studied, how much I've prayed, it's like, oh, and it's true, and there's an old prophet say that, you know, if you really love God, and if you've got an anointing on you, every once in a while, God will let you die in the pulpit so that you can remember it's about him and not you. That's actually good teaching. In other words, every once in a while, it's okay. You get embarrassed because you just, well, nothing, it's just gone. But you learn from it, you don't leave. Amen? So God loves you so very much. Just please give yourself to some of these basic truths of Scripture because remember above all, again, like I said, his desire, thank you guys, his desire, remember, two things major that I want you to see that we spoke to this morning. His desire is that you bear much fruit because that's how our Father is glorified. Do you hear me? Can you accept the simplicity of that? God, he wouldn't ask you to bear much fruit if you didn't have the capacity to do so. Remember, it's not about your perfection. It's about his perfection that is in you as a gift. God is, remember the grace of God, it is the gift of God. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. God's put this in every one of us. And it's just you start acting because you respect what he said, not what you can do. Because I can't heal flee. Like I said, we're going to pray for people now. Need healing or whatever. But I am fully satisfied that I can't heal anybody. And you need to be as well. But the point is we need to get to the place where we all have the freedom to pray for one another, knowing that God hears our prayers every single time when we pray in that name and with faith in our heart. And the second thing is, again, like I said, he wants us, again, he wants, he said, the Father's glorified when we bear much fruit, so I want you to catch that. But the other thing is, he said, I'm telling you all this for a reason. I I want you to understand that you can have my joy and my gladness, my joy. The joy of God can dwell in you right now today.
Some of your minds tilt. I understand. I can see. I can hear the mechanism in some of the brains as I stand there. You know, your ear, your inner membrane, the sound tickled it. But nothing happened in here because it was just too far-fetched. Well, this is why faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You may have to, you may have to hear it 1,500 times. This is why you don't leave. You hang around. I was watching something on, uh, I turned on the TV last night for a moment, and they were talking about praying for the sick and stuff. And uh, Todd White, you know, who's got an incredible ministry today, he talked about, he prayed, he said, I prayed for a minimum of 1,000 people when I first started, never saw one of them healed, not one, not one, not one. He said, it was only after I got over 1,000, 1,100, all of a sudden, every once in a while, somebody started getting a tickle of healing. But he said, I did not stop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's almost like heaven wants to see if you're serious. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for your word today. Your word is life to all those that find it, and it's health and healing to all our flesh. So we give you praise right now, Father, in this house. We thank you for the great grace that's upon us to minister the truth of heaven. It's direct from your word in as much of an uncompromising compromising fashion as we can. We thank you for the incredible family that you've given us. We thank you for the hundreds of new people that are racing toward us right now, even as I speak. We thank you for our worship, Father, whereby we do our best to say... We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 